today we're going to continue with this series on gifts in the church um, and we're dealing with the third category of gifts that we've identified given to the body of Christ which are in fact the spiritual gifts as listed for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 7 through to 10 and that's our text verse for this uh, series of teachings. And the scripture says that the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And so we said we could divide these um, spiritual gifts there in mind listed for us in that passage of Scripture. We said we could divide them up into three different categories, uh, the revelation gifts, the power gifts, and the speaking gifts. Uh, and uh, the speaking gifts, we dealt with the revelation gifts and the power gifts in a previous series. In this series, we wanted to deal with the speaking gifts. And the speaking gifts um, refer to the gift of prophecy, the gift of diverse kind of tongues, and the gift of the interpretation of tongues. And we said that the reason that we put those three giftings into the same category is because all three of those gifts uh, speak, for, speak forth the word of the Lord by the unction of the Holy Spirit. And so we dealt with uh, certain aspects of the gifts in the previous teaching, um, and that we said that uh, all of these gifts are given to the individual in the body of Christ by measure. And every single member of the body of Christ does receive one functional gift. Now, not every member of the body of Christ receives one of the spiritual gifts. And uh, in this particular series, we're dealing prim primarily with the spiritual gifts. But nevertheless, the principle still applies, as taught us in Romans chapter three verses, uh, chapter 12, verses 3 to 6. Um, the principle about the fact that each one of us have received a gift from the Lord, that when we receive our gift from the Lord, that He imparts to us His grace and the faith that we require in order for us to operate in our gifts. And we said that we are to use our gifts as um, good stewards of the gift given to us by the Lord as um, administer our gifts to the body of Christ, for that's what the gifts are given to us for. And then we said that we could also increase the anointing on our gifts, uh, depending on our chosen lifestyle, and also depending on the, the um, emphasis that we place on being used by the Holy Spirit in his spiritual gifts. And so we began to look at the, the spiritual gift of prophecy uh, in the previous teaching, and we're going to continue with the, the gift of prophecy today. And we saw previously that um, the, the Holy Spirit encourages the church to covet, to prophesy. Well, it does say covet uh, spiritual gifts. And uh, the scripture we looked at is in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Uh, the Holy Spirit says through the Apostle Paul, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And so we saw that prophecy is a gift that the Holy Spirit encourages the church to uh, partake of in the church. And we saw the reason for that being is that everybody is blessed when prophecy is manifested in the church. And so we see that um, really the, the gift of prophecy is one of the more common gifts given to the body of Christ in the church. 
Um, in our previous series, we looked at the power gifts, and we saw that the power gifts are not widely distributed within the body of Christ. But nevertheless, the gift of prophecy is more widely distributed, and in fact, the Holy Spirit encourages the saints to desire to prophesy. And so we began to look at um, how prophecy actually does work, what it, what it actually means. And we saw in 2 Peter 1.21, the scripture says, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so the way that one uh, begins to prophesy when they operate in their gift is they are moved by the Holy Spirit. And so we saw that the Holy Spirit is the one who initiates the prophetic utterance that uh, is given by the individual. And then we saw in Luke 21, 12 to 15, our Lord just um, counseling his church that when they get taken before um, court, uh, courts of law uh, to have to testify because they are pre preaching the gospel, that they're not to meditate on what they're going to say in those instances, but in those instances to rely on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would then give them a mouth and they would be able to speak. And so we saw the account, well, I mentioned the account of Stephen when he was brought before the Sanhedrin and uh, he began to preach and there was the anointing of the Holy Spirit that spoke through him on that occasion. And then we also saw, well, we mentioned the account of Peter being brought with John um, and the other, other apostles being brought before the council in, uh, on that occasion. And again, uh, the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter. And so we said the principle applies with regards to prophecy because it is in fact the Holy Spirit that gives us the mouth. He begins to speak through our mouths as we um, allow him to. And so that kind of just pointed us in the direction as to how prophecy actually operates. And so we're going to continue looking at prophecy today to have a better understanding as to how the simple gift of prophecy in fact does work. And then we want to touch on uh, the ministry gift of the prophet in the way that he prophesies in the church because there is a, a difference between the two. The first scripture we want to look at today is in Acts 21 verse 11. Scripture says, When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And so here we have uh, the prophet Agabus who has come down from Jerusalem and uh, he has given a word of knowledge to the Apostle Paul. Um, but the, the principle that is applied in this passage of Scripture can also be, be applied to uh, one who prophesies because um, the comment that I want to do, uh, comment on here and bring, it, bring a highlight is the fact that he says, the Scripture says, and said... Thus says the Holy Spirit. And so when one prophesies, they are in fact saying what the Holy Spirit is saying. So it's not uh, the individual saying, because in this section here, we're dealing with prophecies that are given by laymen in the church. In other words, these are, in the, these are saints in the congregation who have received the simple gift of prophecy from the Holy Spirit, and they begin to prophesy in church meetings uh, as, as they're led of the Lord. So we're not dealing with the prophetic gift of the prophet. We're dealing with lay people who have been given the spiritual gift of prophecy. 
the one that the Holy Spirit encourages uh, a lot of the saints to actually operate in. Um, but here, this is now a prophet who has uh, prophesied, is a, you, you can put it that way, it's a word of knowledge that he gave to Paul. But the way that he gives it is he says, thus says the Holy Spirit. And so that's the, the, the point that I wanted to bring across here, is that when one prophesies, um, they are speaking the words of the Holy Spirit. So it's not their own words that are coming out of their mouths. It, it, it is scriptural for them to say, thus says the Holy Spirit, and then begin to prophesy what the Holy Spirit has said. And so it's, um, th that is one of the reasons why it is important for us to prophesy in proportion to our faith. In Romans chapter 12, we saw that. Scripture says, He who prophesies, let him prophesy in proportion to their faith. It's because when the individual speaks out and says, Thus says the Holy Spirit, it is by faith that the individual is then going to speak out what the Holy Spirit has impressed upon them to speak out. And so there is that element of faith that has to it can't operate any other way because all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate by faith. Um, as the anointing comes upon the individual, they then by faith begin to speak out the words given to them by the Holy Spirit. So it is by faith that we do that. And then another scripture we can look at um, along uh, dealing with uh, prophetic uh, utterance in churches. In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 29 through to 31 the scripture says let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge but if anything is revealed to another who sits by let the first keep silent for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be discouraged and <laughs> discouraged and all may be encouraged um, so how does the Holy Spirit uh, give the, pro the prophet the words that he wants to speak them out? Uh, well, it's kind of alluded to in this passage of Scripture, for it says in verse 30, But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. And so that's kind of alluding to us how the Holy Spirit, in fact, does uh, initiate the prophetic word that he wants the saint to bring in the meeting. Now, it's also interesting to see in this passage of Scripture, uh, the uh, Apostle Paul sp speaking, he says, let two or three prophets speak. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, when Paul refers to individuals as prophets speaking and prophesying, um, he's not saying that these are two or three um, ministers of the gospel, let them as prophets speak out in the meeting. He's referring to laymen who have the simple gift of prophecy, and he refers to them as prophets. But that does, we're not to get confused by thinking, because I've got the simple gift of prophecy, that now God has called me to the full-time ministry, and now I'm, now I'm called to go preach the gospel and prophesy. That's not the case at all. Um, you know, whatever your job might be as a layman, that's what you're called to do during the week. But when the church gets together, every now and then the Holy Spirit will anoint you to give out a word of prophecy. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, that's the context of the title of prophet. So it's not a case of because he's saying let two or three prophets speak, that there should be 
two, at least two or three prophets in every congregation. That's not what he's talking about at all. He's talking about laymen who have the simple gift of prophecy. But getting back to how, how is it that we, we recognize that the Holy Spirit has given us a, a prophetic word that he wants us to speak out in the meeting. Well, again, we go back to that passage of Scripture. The Scripture says, but if anything is revealed to another. And so the Holy Spirit reveals to the individual, this is what I want you to say. But when the Holy Spirit reveals to the individual, this is what I want you to say, he doesn't give the individual the full uh, prophetic word. So, you know, it doesn't, it's not a case of the individual sits there and the Holy Spirit rattles off the word and then the individual gets up and repeats word for word what they heard the Holy Spirit say. That's not how prophecy, the gift of prophecy works. Um, what the Holy Spirit does is he reveals to the individual, um, it might just be one word of the prophecy, let's say um, sorrow is a word that comes up in the, in the, in the prophet's mind. Now again, I'll refer to the individual as a prophet, but you understand the difference between the manuscript gift of the prophet and the layman who has this gift of prophecy. But the word sorrow might come up. And so the anointing comes on the individual and he, he hears the Holy Spirit say sorrow and he then begins to say, thus says the Holy Spirit, do not be sorrowful for the Lord is with you and it then begins to flow. As they step out in faith, based on that first word that they got from the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak out in faith, thus says the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will then uh, take over, kind of, and allow and begin to speak through that individual's mouth, the prophetic word given. It might also be the first phrase that the Holy Spirit gives to the individual. Um, a simple phrase of um, for God so loved the world and so that's the phrase that they, it comes up in the person's uh, mind and they re okay this is what the Holy and so they, they speak out for God so loved the world that he gave his own because and they will then begin to prophesy and the Holy Spirit will then take over and they will be able to be led of the Holy Spirit into the rest of the prophecy and so as I said in the, in the previous teaching what happens is the person who is prophesying is hearing the prophetic utterance for the first time at the same time as everybody else is hearing it because it's the Holy Spirit who is now speaking through the individual. And so the, the one who's prophesying is hearing it at the same time as everybody else is hearing it. It's not a case that they heard it, now they're repeating it. it uh, that's not how prophecy works. And so that's why in Romans 12, 6, the scripture says that we should prophesy in proportion to our faith. Um, and so if you find that you, you are trying to prophesy things that are outside, your, uh, you, you, you're trying to prophesy uh, things that are you know, quite deep, um, and you're stepping outside the proportion of faith that you've received for your prophetic gift, and you're going to get yourself into trouble. Rather just prophesy, because it, it will flow naturally. It will be... Um, as I say, it's the simplest thing in the world to, to operate in the gifts of the Spirit if you allow the Holy Spirit to operate those gifts through you. We are meant purely to be um, His His vessel in, in this particular gift and in all of the gifts. Um, but it's in this particular gift, and people kind of get it wrong because they kind of, uh, they start out prophesying and then, you know, they kind of get in the way of the Holy Spirit instead of allowing Him to just 
continue to flow through them and let the prophetic word come because um, but it's it, 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 it's as, as the individual be, be learns to cooperate with the Holy Spirit that they begin to become more proficient in their gifting uh, when I say proficient it's just a case of they learn to be a, uh, a, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and not hinder him and allow him to actually speak the prophetic word through them now again we see in that passage of scripture the scripture says let two or three prophets speak and so again it's just alluding to us the fact that in a congregation there will be um, more than one or two individuals in the congregation with this gift of prophecy and so there's a limit that is placed on the number of prophets that speak out in a prophetic meeting the reason for that is is because the holy spirit when he speaks out in a meeting He's going to really emphasize one aspect of the Word of God. He's not going to talk about the second coming through one prophet and then talk about the love of God through another prophet and then talk about um, gifts of healing through another prophet. And so the church is kind of getting all of these messages from all these different angles and having to absorb all of this. Um, no, not at all. The Holy Spirit, in a, uh, normally in a meeting, the way that the Holy Spirit uh, conducts the meeting if he is given free reign in the meeting is that um, he will want to emphasize a specific truth out of God's word and so you will find one of the prophets will get up and prophesy in a specific manner and another prophet will get up and prophesy um, slightly differently but on the same theme as the first prophet who, who spoke out and then the third one will also get, uh, get up and prophesy again on the same theme from the Word of God but again just looking at it slightly from a different angle but all of it will be focused in on the same spiritual truth that the Holy Spirit is wanting to highlight to the congregation at that point in time because that is the spiritual truth that he knows uh, that particular body is needing to hear from the Word of God and so that is how that prophetic utterance will come through and so again the scripture says for you can all prophesy one by one and so that's why the, uh, the apostle paul puts a limit on it because they are it, and it should be in i'm talking about a fair-sized congregation i'm not talking about a very small congregation i'm talking about you know a congregation of a couple of hundred people there should be um more than three individuals in that congregation who have the gift of prophecy um, and so that's why Paul places a limit on the number of prophets speaking out in a meeting because um, it can then get uh, out of hand. And also, you know, there's only so many different ways you can expound on one spiritual truth in a meeting. You know, you can't go on and on and on. And so that the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, has put the limit on. He says two or three. Don't let any more than that prophesy in a meeting. But uh, up to uh, two, three prophets speaking out in a meeting, that is quite acceptable um, in a congregational meeting, if, as I say, depending on the size of the congregation. And they'll all be saying roughly the same thing, but in a, in a slightly different manner, because you know, not every prophet is going to speak out exactly what the Holy Spirit wanted to emphasize, and so he'll move on another prophet to speak out another aspect of that spiritual truth and that's how the word of god is then proclaimed um, and so again uh, the scripture says in that passage of scripture let's go back and read it again 
and because that passage of scripture is very enlightening to us on this issue um, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge but if anything is re real to another who sits by let the first keep silent for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged not discouraged as I said um, and so we are to judge prophecy it's not a case of because this individual because what happens is the church begins to recognize within her midst the congregations who has these the, the gifts of prophecy um, because not everybody in the congregation does have the gift of prophecy it'll be the more common gift but not everybody has it and so the church begins to recognize, okay, that one's anointed with the gift, that one. The, the lead, church leadership, the pastor and the elders of the church will also recognize who in the congregation has been or have been anointed with the gift of prophecy. And so it's not a case of, well, now this individual's got the gift of prophecy, so when they stand up and prophesy, well, then we can just take that as being gospel, whatever comes out of their mouth. It's a recognized gift in this individual. We can accept that as being correct. Not so. We are to judge prophecy. Um, and every prophetic utterance that is given, we are to judge. Um, and it's interesting that the, the scripture says, let the others judge. Now, you can interpret that to mean let the other, others who have the prophetic gift judge. But in fact, it's meaning all of the saints. And primarily, it's really the leadership of the church, the pastors and the elders of the church, who are the ones who should really be judging the word that is given. Because it's not always the case that the individual who uh, speaks out a word of a, pro a prophetic word and says, thus says the Lord, not always is it a case that thus says the Lord. The person might miss it and the person might uh, you know, just be speaking out of the flesh or they might have started out with the, the prophetic word and then got off in a, in a tangent and the Holy Spirit wasn't in, in the rest of that prophetic word. And so there's, there's two aspects that we judge the prophetic word because the prophetic word is, going back to Agabus, thus says the Holy Spirit. When a prophecy is given in a church environment, well then it is in fact the Holy Spirit speaking in the church environment. That's how he speaks to the church. He doesn't speak audibly so that everybody, you recall the children of Israel when they went to Mount Sinai, God spoke audibly and uh, yeah, they couldn't take it really. And they asked uh, Moses, won't you uh, speak to God on our behalf and let him speak to you? But we don't want to hear his voice anymore because you know we just can't take it because they thought they were going to die. Um, and so God doesn't speak audibly to congregations, but he does speak audibly through his prophets. Uh, and so when an individual prophesies, it is in fact the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, speaking audibly to the congregation. And so if the word that comes out of the prophet's mouth, and again, don't forget when I say the prophet's mouth, I'm talking about the layman who has the gift of prophecy. If the word that comes out of the prophet's mouth is judged to be of the Lord, well, then we need to take note. What did God say? And we need to be obedient to the word of the Lord coming through the mouth of the prophet because that's what the Holy Spirit wanted to say audibly to the church at that time. And quite often, when a prophetic word is given in a church, um, it's almost ignored. It's almost, okay, well, now let's get on to the next part. 
God's just spoken. And so you know, the, the problem is, is that the congregation tends to think the, the word spoken is the person. It's not. The person is the, 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 the vessel that the Holy Spirit has decided to use on that occasion to speak to the congregation. So it's very important for the congregation to not despise prophecies, but to recognize who's doing the talking. And so, as I say, we judge the prophecy. And so if the prophecy is judged to be of the Lord, well, then better we take note because God just spoke to us and we need to understand what God wanted to say to us. And obviously, if the word is spoken is judged to be not correct, it's not of the Lord, well, then we can just ignore that word. We recall when we dealt with the revelation gifts, Paul just ignored uh, the prophetic word given to him in the church of Tyre because they got it wrong. And so he just ignored it. And that's what we do. Now, obviously, the leadership would then speak to the one who uh, gave the prophetic word and just counsel them along that line and show them, all right, yeah, you started right, but you kind of got it wrong here. Or, you know, just let it go if it's a once-off. Um, but if it's consistent that this individual keeps getting it wrong, well, then the leadership should speak. And then the leadership can also just encourage the church and say, okay, that prophetic word that was given, um, it doesn't tie up. So how do, we are meant to judge the prophetic word given because, as I say, if it is God speaking, then we need to be obedient. If it's not God speaking, then we need to know that we can ignore it, not just be, become blindly obedient. And so how do we judge prophecy? Well, the first and primary way that we judge prophecy given is that it has to be in line with the written word of God. The Holy Spirit and the word of God are always completely in unison. The Holy Spirit will never prophesy anything that is contrary to the written Word of God. And so it's very important, especially for the leadership of the church, to have a very uh, sound understanding of the written Word of God so that when a prophetic utterance is given, it can be judged against the Word of God. Okay, Lord, that which is being spoken now is this in line with what your written word says for if it is well then that's it you can pretty much be assured that um, the Holy Spirit has initiated that word because it does fall in line with the written word of God and so we can now look listen to that word and we can begin to obey because by obeying that word you're going to be obeying the written word of God and there's nothing wrong with obeying the written word of God as, as such anyway um, but it would never fall outside of the written word of God. That's one of the primary ways that we judge uh, prophecies. Um, and so it's, up, it's, it's incumbent on the leadership of the church to, to guide both the prophet in his prophetic utterance, if he kind of slightly missed it or missed it completely, to you know, uh, help that individual to learn to cooperate more clearly with the Holy Spirit, and also guide the church to not just um, Take everything that is said through prophetic utterance as being from the Lord, because it might not always be. And then we saw in this passage of Scripture that there's another thing that comes out from this passage, which scripture, the Scripture says, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And so when a prophetic utterance is given in the church, when a prophecy is spoken out in, in the church meeting, there is going to be two aspects to that prophetic word. Not always. But there can be two aspects to that prophetic word. There's the one aspect of learning, and there's the other as aspect of encouragement. 
And so the learning aspect is, is the Holy Spirit will be emphasizing, as I say, a, a specific truth out of the Word of God. And so the, the church might have kind of gotten off track a bit, um, and the Holy Spirit's wanting to refocus an element of truth that they have been ignoring up until now. I'm just putting out a scenario. Um, and so the Holy Spirit's wanting them to say, well, come back. Okay, guys, I want you to concentrate on this truth in my, in my word. You, you, you're not walking, I don't know, in, in forgiveness uh, as you ought to. Kind of the, the, the emphasis that might be coming through there. And so there's an element of learning that comes through the prophetic utterance. Now, it's not some new revelation that no one's ever heard of before, because don't forget, this type of prophecy is always benchmarked against the written word of God. So there will be no new revelation that comes through at all. In all prof prophecies, there's no new revelation that comes through. And so the element of learning is just to um, the Holy Spirit wanting to bring this particular truth uh, highlight this truth uh, to the church so that she may learn, okay, yeah, Lord, I've been missing it in this area. I do need to concentrate on being more forgiving uh, towards my brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever it might be that the Holy Spirit is wanting to emphasize through that particular prophetic utterance. But there's always, uh, there's also the aspect, as Scripture says, and all may be encouraged um, because prophetic utterance uh, the simple gift of prophecy that is made manifest through lay people in the church will always fit into this category. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3. The scripture says, But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. And so the, the previous verse of scripture, the scripture says that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And so that's another aspect of this gift of prophecy, it will never discourage the saints. And so if the prophetic word that is given out, um, the, the saints, once it's given, they're not, they're not encouraged with their walk with the Lord. In fact, they become a bit discouraged with their walk with the Lord. Well, then that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not this gift being made manifest. Because this gift, when it is made manifest, it will always be edification, exhortation, and comfort. Um, because the Holy Spirit is always wanting to encourage the saints in their walk with the Lord. He never uh, wants to discourage that, never wants to chasten them from that point of view. Um, and so this prophetic gift, when it is made manifest in the church, I'm talking about prophecy, the gift of prophecy being made manifest through lay people in the church. This gift will always encourage the church. Um, lay people in the church will never prophesy an element of judgment or an element of chastening. Now we're going to get we're going to touch on the ministry gift of the prophet, and there, there is a there's a subtle difference there's a difference there. But with regards to this gift, the gift of prophecy given to lay people in the church. Um, there will always be an element, not always, but quite often there's an element of learning um, and there's an element of encouragement. And uh, as I say, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men, never, discour never discouragement. So it, again, it, it, um, you, you, you can get some prophetic utterances that 
you know, strictly speaking, they line up with the Word of God, but there's just that, you know, when that Word is spoken, it's just, and there's so much condemnation that comes through that Word. And you can see and sense straight away, that's not the Holy Spirit speaking. He's not encouraging that His church through that prophetic utterance. That is somebody speaking by a different spirit or out of the flesh. They are, you know, there's a bit of a judgmental thing going on in their own lives, and so they want wanting to... Um, pronounced judgment on the church and that's not the Holy Spirit so it's another way we judge um, prophetic utterance um, and so we need to differentiate between the simple gift of prophecy that laymen have and then the gift of prophecy that is made manifest through the ministry gift of the prophet because the two are completely different um, and so that when a, when a prophet prophesies, because now there are the five main ministry gifts listed for us in Ephesians 4, the gift of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And so there is a ministry gift called the prophet. Now, one of the, when a, a prophet operates in his ministry, um, the main spiritual gift that will be made manifest through his ministry is the spiritual gift of prophecy, obviously. Uh, the two go hand in hand. But when the prophet prophesies, so this is not the layman now, this is now the ministry, ministry gift called prophet, when he prophesies, there is a, a greater degree of anointing on that prophetic word that is given. And uh, there's more revelation knowledge that comes through, there's a deeper degree of learning that comes through, um, and there's just a, a, a greater depth to the prophetic word spoken through the, the mouth of a prophet when they prophesy. And so the layman, as we said, we kind of tied it in, the layman when they prophesy, there's going to be an element of learning there, not, not, to, not um, overly emphasized, but mainly it will be encouragement, edification, exhortation, and comfort to the body of Christ, and it will be encouragement to the body of Christ. When the prophet prophesies, there is that aspect entirely, without a doubt, but there's another further aspect to their prof uh, prophetic utterance. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, 32 to 33, the scripture says, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all of the churches of the saints. So what does he mean when he says, um, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to to the prophets. He gives us insight because he goes into the very next verse. He says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So, what does he mean? Well, quite simply, what he means is that the Holy Spirit will not interrupt himself. And so, we saw in a previous passage of Scripture, the Scripture says, um, Let the prophet speak two or three. But if anything is revealed to one who sitteth by, let him uh, let the first keep silent. And so what happens is in a meeting, um, there are two or three, or if not more, laymen who have this simple gift of prophecy. And the Holy Spirit will move on, you know, could be up to four or five individuals in the meeting with a similar word, okay? So one prophet gets up and begins to prophesy. Now the Holy Spirit then reveals to the other prophets, I want you to speak. 
So it's not a case of now while that prophet is speaking, now because the, the anointing has come on the second prophet, that they need to get up now and start speaking at the same time. Because now we get confusion in the church, because now the Holy Spirit is interrupting himself, because the Holy Spirit is speaking through the one individual, and now the Holy Spirit starts speaking through another individual at the same time. And uh, the church looks around, what's going on? Don't, don't understand that. And that's why he says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So when the Holy Spirit does anoint the individual to give forth the word, the Holy Spirit expects the, the, the prophet um, to use um, just common sense and, and good judgment to bring forth that word at the right time. In other words, wait for the other individual to finish prophesying and then bring the word that the Lord's laid on your heart and not interrupt. Also not interrupt the worship. In other words, if you get the anointing and the, God giving you the word and the church is busy worshiping, you don't now speak out the prophetic word because again, the Holy Spirit is not going to interrupt the worship of God with God speaking. God doesn't operate that way. He's not the author of confusion, but of peace. And so again, the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And so the prophet is required of the Lord to wait until the right time and then speak out the word of the Lord. And that's what he means when he says uh, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. I've had it where I'm in a meeting being given out uh, a, a message in a diverse kind of time. And while I'm still speaking, somebody gets up and starts interpreting the, the tongue, which was not the, the, the interpretation anyway. They spoke out of their flesh. And so that wasn't the Holy Spirit interrupting while the Holy Spirit was speaking through, through my ministry. And so that's the kind of thing that um, the Holy Spirit is referring to in that particular in instance. He will not interrupt himself. And so as, as uh, prophets who have this gift, we must learn um, to cooperate with him and to be good stewards of the gifting that he's given to us. There's another passage of scripture we want to touch on with regards to prophecies, and that is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 19. The scripture says, Do not quench the spirit. Verse 20, Do not despise prophecies. And so we see, even in Paul's day, um, because Paul would start churches uh, as an apostle, and he would, uh, the moment that he, he started a church, he would teach on the gifts of the spirit, because all of our teaching, by and large, that we have on the gifts of the Spirit uh, come through Paul's ministry because God used him to teach the church. And so he would teach all of his churches to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. But here in the church in Thessalonica, um, they had begun to despise prophecies. And Paul has to admonish them not to do that. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. So how does that happen, that uh, churches begin to despise prophecies? Um, because don't forget, uh, you, you need to meditate upon the truth about the fact that when a prophecy is given, who in fact is doing the talking? It is the Holy Spirit speaking. And so, you know, it's God the Holy Spirit speaking, and we need to reverence Him, and we need to give Him uh, all of the attention He deserves as God in the church. And to despise prophecies is to despise the word of the Lord coming directly from the Holy Spirit. So how does it happen that churches get to the point where they do start quenching the Holy Spirit and they do begin to despise prophecies? 
Well, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 talks about uh, carnal believers. And so carnal believers have a problem with uh, a spiritual act. Now, when one prophesies, that is a spiritual act. Um, there's nothing natural about it. It is God, the Holy Spirit, speaking through an individual. Now, those who are carnal are, are natural. And the Bible talks about the fact that in 1 Corinthians 2, 14, that spiritual things are foolishness to the natural man. And so what, what you find is that if a church has enough carnal believers in the congregation, they begin to despise prophecies because they, they, they view it as foolishness. They do not view it as God speaking through the individual. They view it as the individual just speaking what is on their minds. And so they, they, be, you know, they, they do not receive it um, as something from the, the Spirit of God. And if you have enough carnal believers in a, in a church gathering, well, then they will begin to um, quench the Holy Spirit. They will begin to uh, influence the church along this line. You know, do we really need to have all these prophetic utterance? You know, you know let's, let's cut it down. And maybe let's, on a Sunday morning, don't allow these gifts to be made manifest. Make it available on a Sunday evening. But Sunday morning, that's for our structured meeting. That's not for... Um, the gifts of the Spirit to be made manifest. Now understand that churches do have different types of meetings. You have evangelistic type meetings and those meetings you really want to preach the gospel to the unsaved. And so yes, and there are uh, prayer meetings and there are worship meetings. But by and large, the Holy Spirit should have uh, free reign in our meetings. But you get the carnal Christians and begin to then put a, cl a clamp and a dampener on, on the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and do not allow the Holy Spirit to make mani himself manifest as freely as he ought to and would like to be made manifest. Now in those instances it's up to the leadership of the church to teach the baby Christians, the, because all carnal believers are baby Christians. They might have been born again for 30 years, but nevertheless because they are carnal in their thinking, they're still baby Christians. And so it's up to the, the leadership of the church to teach the baby believers about the spiritual gifts. Uh, so that the church can begin to operate in the spiritual gifts and allow the Holy Spirit to uh, manifest himself in the meetings because uh, it's very important for us to, to hear because those words, if they come through and they are anointed by God and they are from the throne of God, they are, those words are, are words of life and, it, and there's just such a, a blessing that is brought to the congregation when a prophetic utterance is given um, in obedience to the, the Holy Spirit. And so it's kind of looked at the simple gift of prophecy and how it operates in the church and how we should learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit um, in those words being brought in. But I want to do just also on, in today's teaching touch on the ministry gift prophecy because as I've alluded to already, when a prophet prophesies, it's at a different level and a different degree of anointing. Um, and so we do need to recognize the difference between the two because laymen who have the gift of prophecy should never try and prophesy at the same level that a prophet will prophesy at because they don't have that level of faith. Remember, Paul teaches us, he who prophesies, let him prophesy in proportion to his faith. And so there is a difference. 
and uh, it's important for those who have this gift to recognize the difference and uh, don't step out of bounds so to speak and it's important for the, the congregation to recognize that when a prophet prophesies it's quite often going to be at a completely different level to what they're used to hearing through the simple gift of prophecy. And so the scripture we can look at is in Acts chapter 11, verse 27 and 28. The scripture says, And in these days prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch, and then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. And so this is now dealing with the, the ministry um, gift of the prophet. These individuals who had come down from Jerusalem to the church at Antioch were ministry gifts. They were prophets. That was their, They were full-time ministers of the gospel. And they stood in the offices of prophet. And now when they prophesy, their prophetic utterance is a lot different to the normal gift of prophecy. Um, it carries a deeper dimension to it, um, and there's a deeper anointing on this particular um, prophetic utterance. And so these were not normal disciples that had come down uh, from Jerusalem visiting the church at Antioch and operated in the gift of prophecy. These were ministers of the gospel who stood in the office of prophet, and thus they prophesied, and when they prophesied, uh, the dimension of their prophetic utterance is completely different. Now I'm saying theirs, and we have the account given to us of Agabus, but the other prophets would have also prophesied in the same dimension that Agabus prophesied at. Now look at the word given through Agabus's prophecy. He prophesies about a global event that is about to take place. There's going to be a drought throughout all the world. Now that a degree of uh, a revelation, that degree of um, utterance given, the Lord will only prophesy something like that through one of his prophets. A, a, a layman in the church who has the simple gift of prophecy will never be used of the Lord to stand up and say, thus says the Lord, there's going to be a global famine throughout the earth. That's not how God the Holy Spirit operates. He, he, he prophesies um, that dimension of prophetic utterance through one of his recognized ministry gifts of prophet. And we need to understand the two, because as I say, the difference between the two, because a layman who have the gift of prophecy tend to think, well, if a prophet can prophesy that kind of thing, so can I. And you can't, because that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not how he works. He only does that through his ministry gifts, um, when he does this kind of prophetic utterance. Now, does that mean that every time a prophet stands up and prophesies, he's going to prophesy about global events? No, not at all. There's, in, in the whole of the book of Acts, there's only this one account given to us of this type of prophetic utterance given. Now, the reason that the Holy Spirit puts it into the book of Acts once is to show us that this kind of prophecy does not occur very frequently in the church. Um, but did it ever happen again? I'm fully convinced, yes, it did. That there were other in accounts in, uh, during the time of the book of Acts 
that prophets stood up and prophesied about not only global events but national events and also events pertaining to leaders in the world at that time and in countries and things like that because that's the kind of prophetic utterance that will come through the ministry gift of a prophet god will use him to bring a, a greater degree of revelation to the church and what had been revealed to the church in this instance is that a drought was coming and uh, god just allowed the church to get the inside information as to what was going to transpire so the church couldn't, uh, God didn't prophesy this so that the church would begin to pray and intercede that the drought would, not, uh, would be averted. That wasn't the response of the church at all from this prophetic utterance. If you go read the account, they took up a collection for the saints in, in Jerusalem because that's where the, the drought was felt most dramatically. If you go study um, uh, historical records, you'll see that's what, what was the outcome. And so the church just recognized God was now preparing the church not the world, the world was going to go through it, because that was, that was judgment that God was pronouncing on the world. When he said droughts come in all the world, that was God's judgment being pronounced. Now, for whatever reason, God had decided he wanted to judge the world at that time, but he prepares his church for the judgment, so they can go through it, being prepared for it, and not just fall straight into it like the world does. Um, and so that's another aspect that we can pick up from the prophet's prophecy, is that there is going to be an element of judgment in his prophecies. Not always, because again, as I said, we only have this one account given to us in the book of Acts of a prophet prophesying about a global event. Now, did more, as I said, more prophets do that through the time of the book of Acts? Yes, without a doubt. Did it happen every time they prophesied? No, not at all. Um, most of the time, when a prophet prophesies, he will prophesy in exactly the same manner as the layman who prophesies. He will prophesy uh, words of encouragement to the church, edification, exhortation, and comfort to the church. There will be that element of learning, but not uh, a great degree. So that will be the majority of the prophetic utterances that they give. But from time to time, a prophet, when he prophesies, there will be um, a deeper element of revelation given, and there will also be an element of judgment given. Because you go back to you know, the prophets under the Old Covenant. Time and again, the Lord would use his prophets to prophesy to Israel, guys, you need to get your act together. Unless you do, judgment will come, and God will be doing this in your midst. And so, <laughs> those prophets were not very well received. In fact, the, the scripture is quite plain, in fact, all of the Lord's prophets were persecuted. Some of them were, were really um, whipped and, and thrown in jail, and, and a lot of them were killed. So under the Old Covenant, being a prophet for the Lord was not the most popular uh, ministry gift you could possibly get. Under the New Covenant, it actually doesn't change from that point of view, because God still uses His prophets under the New Covenant to correct his church and to say to the church, church, you know, this is what you're doing. God's not pleased and this is what you should be doing. And so quite often when a, a prophet under the new covenant speaks, there is an element of judgment to it. And so there, there can be a, a, a bit of an uncomfortableness amongst not all the congregation, but certain members in the congregation that the Lord is wanting to address in the congregation. 
Now, what happens is, is that when a prophet prophesies, and there is this element of judgment, because getting back to Agabus's prophecy, uh, that was God's judgment being pronounced. Now, it was God's judgment being pronounced on the world, but the church was going to experience that same judgment. All that God was doing through his prophet was preparing his church, saying, God, you're going into this, so I'm giving you the heads up. You need to now get yourself ready for it. But the church couldn't get out of it. They were living in that same location, and so the drought would be felt by them as well. Um, so there's that element of judgment there. Now, what happens is you have people in the church, leadership in the church, who hear a prophet prophesy, and there is the element of judgment from time to time that comes through their prophetic utterance. And they say, well, you know, that's not tying up with Corinthians, because Corinthians teaches us that when the one prophesies, it will be for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And so there can't be an element of judgment and have edification, exhortation, and comfort at the same time. And so they judge the prophecy to be not of the Lord. Where in fact they where they've missed it is that the prophecy that will come through the prophet's ministry, as I said, is going to be at a deeper level. And sometimes that prophet will be addressing certain global uh, um, aspects, certain um, local aspects in, in, in I don't know, um, a province for argument's sake, or a nation, or addressing leaders or addressing issues in the church that need to be addressed. And so God, the Holy Spirit, speaks into those issues through his prophet. And so, as I say, um, quite often when the prophet prophesies, it actually doesn't go down too well with the church because she, she's not used to having these prophetic utterances given in her midst. Um, and she judges them based on 1 Corinthians 14, but not realizing that there is this different aspect to the prophet's prophecy. It's not always getting, most of the time, I don't know, I don't want to put a, put a percentage to it, but most of the time, uh, when the prophet prophesies, it's going to be for edification, exhortation, and comfort. But there's going to be the times that the Holy Spirit is going to move upon the prophet to prophesy, and there's going to be a, a different aspect that will come out through the prophecy. Again, it will always still tie in with the Word of God. It will not be outside of the written Word of God. Holy Spirit will never uh, prophesy outside of the written Word of God. Um, and so it doesn't happen frequently through the prophet's ministry. So prophets that get up and prophesy global events and about governments and about uh, leaders in the world all the time, they're missing God, because that's not the, the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach us that. The Bible teaches us, we, as I said, we have this one account in the whole of the book of Acts of, of a prophet speaking in this manner. So all the Holy Spirit is showing us is that prophets do get used of the Lord in this manner, but not very frequently. So as I say, prophets who get up and prophesy about um, this is going to happen in this country, this is going to happen... Um, and judgment is coming and all that all the time, that's not really uh, the Holy Spirit either. But let's have a look at another passage of Scripture that again just uh, helps us to understand this truth, and that is in Revelation chapter 10, beginning at verse 8. Scripture says, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth, so I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, 
but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. And so that is the um, mandate given to the Lord's prophets, that they are called to prophesy about peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. That's not what the layman in the congregation who has the simple gift of prophecy will prophesy about. He will prophesy edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. And a slight element of learning in that prophecy as well. But when the prophet prophesies, he prophesies about peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Now, does he do that all the time? No, he doesn't. Because as I said, we have just the one account. But does he do it? Yes, he does. When he prophesies about peoples, nations, tongues, and kings, what does he prophesy? He prophesies, this is what's going to take place in this nation, unless they repent, for argument's sake. So you can go back and kind of pick up what kind of prophetic utterances were given to the Old Testament prophets when they prophesied. Um, I think it was Jeremiah um, and Isaiah. They were used of the Lord to prophesy to nations, to other kings. Yeah, it wasn't just they only, didn't only prophesy to Israel and to Judah. They prophesied to Syria and they prophesied to Egypt and they prophesied to the leaders of uh, other nations as well because God called them to do that. And so that aspect of the prophet's ministry has not been done away with. It continues. That's what God said. You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. We're living in that dispensation right now because that's the book of Revelation. And that is, pertains to the church age. And so the prophets under the church age will prophesy in this dimension of prophecy. But very infrequently um, and it's only the prophets of the Lord that will be used of him to prophesy in this dimension and um, I think that's as far as I want to go with the uh, gift of prophecy on today's teaching uh, we'll carry on in the next teaching we want to touch on personal prophecy in the next teaching we're going to end the teaching on that point today. Amen